Leatherface is wearing a sheet, mm-hmm. a black sheet on which there is a dead body. Right. And so he's dancing around and the dead body that's on the sheet is like dancing along with his movements and jangling. He's weekend at Bernie's saying it. Hello, welcome to Guide to the Unknown. I'm Kristen. And I'm her little brother, William. And this week, because the new Texas Chainsaw Massacre movie came out on Netflix just a few days ago, as we're recording this, we decided to cover the Texas Chainsaw Massacre franchise. Yeah. Up to that movie. Yeah, basically. Yes. And then uh, next week, our Patreon episode is going to be reviewing the new movie. So it's a Texas Chainsaw time over here at Guides the Unknown. Evidently. And it feels a little bit like a curse. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's not Cagetober. No. Or anything. Certainly not. I might prefer Cagetober. I prefer the material of Cagetober, but yes. I like not taking the, a month for this or the something. The breadth. Yeah, the breadth. Yes. <laughs> so yeah, we're going to talk about the Texas Chainsaw Massacre franchise here. And then this coming Monday, mm-hmm. we'll talk about the new movie over on Patreon that's going to be available for anybody starting on our ghost tier mm-hmm. that begins at the $4 or more level. Yeah. Um, so, uh, but yeah, this is to lead up to that essentially. Yes. Uh, essentially. Uh, it's a prequel. Yeah, it's a prequel of sorts. Mm-hmm. What is your history with the Texas Chainsaw Massacre? Barf, barf, barf. Did did you? I think I tr- tried to charge you with actually watching some of this. Did you watch any of the movies? Yeah, I did. You did? Awesome! Yeah, yeah, All yeah. Right. I'm so excited. Yeah, I, I try to do that in, unless I'm just like super busy. I watched the first one. I didn't watch the second, but I watched a bunch of clips. But I have seen the second. Fair enough. And it, like I remember it pretty well. Yeah. Um. So I I feel pretty covered. But my history with them is that um I definitely saw the first movie when I was like a, I'm guessing a teenager or something. I've never liked it. Okay. Um, I, I think I've seen the, what is it, 2002 remake? 2003. Yeah. I think I've seen that a few times, weirdly. It was a pretty big deal at the time. I know. And I yeah. don't think I really liked that either. But I think it was the kind of thing where if it was on TV, and this is before you had like eight bajillion things accessible through streaming, yeah. I think if I caught it on one of the premium channels, I would watch it. I, I feel weirdly familiar with it. Yeah. I, I think... It is interesting that 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 particular movie, the remake, did seem to achieve mm-hmm. something of like a, a real pop culture status for a while. I, you know, I didn't, I didn't watch it for the show or anything, but I think it's not bad as far as Texas Chainsaw Massacre movies go. And I could be wrong, because like I said, I haven't seen it in a long time. Yeah. But my recollection wasn't that it was like horrible it's more that i don't like it because i don't like this story yeah it certainly seems to be going for and they all do yeah they're all courting controversy and tackling taboos and doing things that are intended to make your skin crawl and make Mm -hmm. you feel icky and want to take a shower yes so if that's the mission the 2003 movie really excels at it yeah because there are things in that movie that are scary in a good way there are things that make my skin crawl and that was their intent right so you can say that it's in a good way although i don't like that feeling yeah i don't either um but i did that have friggin guy early ermy early ermy yeah <laughs> early ermy yeah the um the yeah. from uh full metal jacket yeah the he's, drill sergeant he's the guy who's at the like gas station and convenience store and blah he's the sheriff in this movie in the 2003 movie he's sheriff hoyt oh okay and he you know is using he's playing exactly to type his whole thing as a drill sergeant in full metal jacket was to be barking mm-hmm. orders and insults and he plays exactly into that and honestly 
is kind of magnetic yeah. in a really repulsive in a, way. I would say the exact same thing, but repulsive at the same time. Yeah. In the 2003 movie, he's, he's one of the selling points of that film. Mm-hmm. I think, and it's sort of getting ahead of ourselves, I think there's an argument to be made that the original Texas Chainsaw Massacre is the most important one. I think I think so. Probably. Right, it's the one that yeah, created totally. something. It was proto slasher. We when sure. we did our slash, we did a, sl- a whole month about mm-hmm. slashers. We called it Slashtober a yep, couple of so years ago. So it was ago. October of 2020. In case you'd like to go back. So we talked about the origin of the slasher genre, and it was really sort of born in the late 70s, and then the slasher boom took place during the 80s. Mm-hmm. The original Texas Chainsaw Massacre is 1974. Yeah, it's pretty early in it. Yeah, it's tied, I think, with. Um, uh, when a Stranger Calls or with Black Christmas 74. Either way. The point is the slasher genre didn't even have a name mm-hmm. when this came out. Right. And so Leatherface as a Michael Myers type masked bad guy or a Freddy, mm-hmm. he's kind of the grandfather of it in a weird way. Yeah. And there's a grandfather in the movie. There certainly is. But maybe that's also why it never has felt to me like Leatherface actually stands toe to toe yeah. With those other slashers. Yes. I think that's true. There's something about him that doesn't click right. Yeah, it's different because he's not really totally part of that right. wave. He was born too early. Yeah. He's he's not part of that movement. He's not part of that. It generation. doesn't have the same sort of feel. No, no matter how you know? hard or how often they try. Yeah. Leatherface doesn't seem to fit or work. So I I have not seen any of the later sequels. I've seen the first two. I've seen the remake. And then I haven't seen the stuff that you're going to talk about. Okay. Um, so what is your history with the Texas Chainsaw Massacre? Um, so I've, I've always been obsessed with um, continuity. Mm-hmm. And I've always been obsessed with sort of like the lineage of a story. For probably honestly since childhood in some to some degree. And I always had Texas Chainsaw clocked as an important franchise. Yeah. Not saying that it's high art, not saying that the material of the films itself is important. I think it's inarguable that it's an important franchise. Right. It has a status. Yes. It's iconic. It was counterculture. It does a lot of things that I always profess that I enjoy. It's one of those movies that says this is based on a true story. I love that too. Even though it's not. I know. I don't know what it is about that that I like so much, but I'm instantly like, ooh. I know. It's just fun. My own vantage point on it is that it instantly and very directly welcomes the audience mm-hmm. to relate to it in a different way yeah yeah because you're like that that happened to somebody that could yeah happen to me or somebody i know and to participate in the fantasy of it mm-hmm. like film is arguably to some extent a very passive medium you're yeah. sitting there with a book you're at least turning the page right with movies sometimes you just show up in the theater and sit down and eat your you know mm-hmm. bubble gum i was gonna say <laughs> Keep eating the bubble gum, not chewing it. Just keep <laughs> eating and just swallowing it yeah. more and more. Um, but you're just sitting there while it happens in front of you. Mm-hmm. And that is uh, uh, not always the greatest thing. You have to, the best movies are the ones that actually make you like lean forward and pay attention and you mm-hmm. actively participate in trying to guess what's going to happen next. Yeah. And I think the movies that go, no, this is real instantly grab your attention and pull you into the fantasy yeah, that's true. one so way like, or another. This is real? Yeah. You can't help but thinking like, this has happened not just in a theater. Yeah. This happened out in the real world. And I live out in the real world. Exactly. It's attention grabbing. It's mysterious. And it's fun. Yeah. These movies are excruciating. Yeah. But it's part of the the sort of like masterwork of look at what we can achieve. Mm-hmm. 
with special effects. And like, honestly, the first movie is intense, but somewhat bloodless. Yes. So that was an intentional move by, it's Toby. Toby Hooper. Okay. Because uh, it's spelled T-O-B-E. And what I kept going. What do you think, going, Toba? Tobe? <laughs> I was like, I think it's Toby, but. It's Tobey. It, it is spelled like Tobey. It is. Um, but yeah, I was like, is Tobe a name? And I'm just not aware of it. I, the whole time that I've been aware of him, right. I've always, I've never been able to figure this out. If nothing else, thank you, William, for helping with this episode that whenever I read it in the future, I'll know. Tobey Hoopa. Tobey Hoopa. Hoopa. <laughs> um, so yeah, so Toby Hooper said that it was intentionally not super bloody because he wanted to get a PG-13, which... I what are you talking about? And so when they came back, they actually gave it an X. Yeah. And he was like, "Oh crap, that didn't work." And they edited it down to edited it down to an R. That that's happened with almost every single one of these. They're all mm -hmm. cut down, cut down, yeah. cut down. Yeah. Um the subject matter is just so controversial. The subject itself, yeah, it doesn't really matter how much blood there is. I mean, you know, you know how on TV now, if you're watching something, it'll say like rated R for, you know, sexual situations, intense situations, whatever. Right. Like you can get an R rating without a lot of blood if the, yeah. you know, intense subject matter or something. Totally. Well, yeah. also, but like a lot has changed in the last 50 years in terms of yeah. how we grade movies. Like PG-13, to my understanding, didn't come into practice until Temple of Doom. Indiana oh, okay. Jones in the Temple of Doom. And I, I don't know what year that would be, but it would be past this That's movie. That's weird. That's a big divide then between PG and R. I feel oh, like yeah. you need PG-13. Uh-huh. Yeah. Oh, yes. There's a there's a, a necessity for it, I think. Yeah. yeah. But um, yeah, this, the first movie is something that I always tried to stomach mm -hmm. and appreciate the way that other people seem to appreciate it. But no matter how hard I try... I can't get into this movie. Nah. I can appreciate it's you know what we talked about the grudge a couple of weeks ago mm -hmm. where I really ended up saying like I think my entire fondness for this amounts to like three moments. Yeah, yeah. You know, three fun ideas that are buried in the rest of the material. I think Texas Chainsaw is kind of similar because there are a few things it does that I really appreciate mm -hmm. in terms of their creativity or their scariness or whatever but then but the bulk of it i look at it and i'm just sh so like put off by it and annoyed at the first movie in particular i get annoyed at it yes it, um, i mean it feels how do i explain it it feels super dated just in the way that I don't know. The people talk. It feels like yeah. humans don't talk like this no, or whatever. It's, it's but there are a lot era. of movies that are made in the 70s that feel that way. Right. And it's not a matter of slang and stuff like that. It's just this certain style. The world's moved on. Yeah. You know, every movie is a product of its time. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm a little always like put off when somebody refers to a movie as timeless. Yeah. It's like, that's not really true. Everything is a product of its own time. Yeah. I think people just mean, I, I agree where I'm like, it's not timeless. It's, it's not just timeless. still good. It's I think they just mean aging, it's still good. It's aging well. Because I think people would say that Casablanca is like a, a timeless. A timeless classic. Classic. It's like, it's not timeless. No, it's, not. it's very clearly in like the 1940s or whatever. Yeah. Humphrey Bogart but just, is it's dead. It's good. Right. You know, we, we still like it. Right. Is what you mean. A hundred percent. Yeah. And so like, I look at this movie and I, and it's definitely a product of its era mm -hmm. and its own circumstance right like the the it's it's super obviously low budget or maybe indie i guess yeah i think so and grungy and and gross everyone's sweaty yeah. and dirty and so the dirt is sticking to them because of the sweat yeah 
and everything looks like crap. Yeah. And, yeah. <laughs> and it's uncomfortable. It feels really uncomfortable. It's really unpleasant. And honestly, part of that's the point. Yeah, it totally is the point, yeah. I, which I completely understand, but it's not something that I enjoy. Yeah. So to make a long story short-ish, mm-hmm. my relationship to the franchise is always that I want to like it more than I actually do. Yeah. And especially now that there's a new movie out and we're doing this for the show i've been looking at the franchise overall Mm -hmm. like from beginning to end there's almost 50 years of this right and and now you can evaluate it not just as here's the original movie and what a work of art and let's and then people kept talking on sequels Mm -hmm. i'm always interested to see what's the body of work Mm -hmm. what is this now if you just look at this and you grade how good or bad it may be right taking into account everything yes and it Especially compared to something like Halloween, which is a mess. Yeah. It's it's maybe the messiest of all the franchises. Of all the big I'm franchise not... horror stories, it is the most choppy, inconsistent, um, uh, 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 random. I hate using the word random. I know. No, but... one, no one really says it anymore. I just still have a, the taste in my mouth from people saying LOL random for so long. Yes. But like it, it genuinely, it feels like every single movie, the the aim is to go oh forget the last one um this is a sequel to the original almost every single movie in the franchise really? is a direct sequel to the original really almost every single one or Weird. at the very least they all ignore each other uh-huh <laughs> you know what i mean so strange i guess i'm not i shouldn't be too surprised considering that the second one is like so different episode gonzo gonzo and weird and disconnected from the first even though it's technically connected so i guess i shouldn't be surprised here does toby hooper stick around and and direct or produce these Uh, no he stopped it too okay so the first two are made by toby hooper Mm -hmm. and what's fascinating is he made texas chainsaw massacre in 74 and then 10 years later comes back and does texas chainsaw 12 years later 12 years Mm -hmm. so he had changed as a person certainly yeah and had a bit more clout and a bit more ability and so he decided to make a new follow-up to his now sort of like underground culty classic movie during the the slasher boom he's making this right and he i think is trying to make fun of everything Mm -hmm. so it's really a satirical dark comedy that he said he wanted to make a black comedy and they were pushing for like more of a horror movie so then it ends up in this like middle space right so then when when he makes that movie and it doesn't do well he's not involved anymore he's Mm -hmm. executive producer on all these projects but who knows what that really amounts to so when they make leatherface the texas chainsaw massacre three it's clear the marching order is ignore two Mm mm-hmm so therefore, it's really just a follow-up to one. Yeah. And then that didn't do well. So they make Texas Chainsaw Massacre um, The Next Generation. Yeah. Okay. And uh, it has nothing to do with the events of three. Mm-hmm. So all you can bank on is that people remember it from one. Yeah. Right? And then they that didn't do well. And seven years later, um, uh, they reboot it uh-huh. with the 2003 movie. That right. does well. Yeah. It finally does well. What's this gentleman's name in the movie? Eric, not Banna. Eric Foreman. Not Foreman. I'll look it up. I know he what you're talking a, he about. He was in a million things. Balfour. No. Balfour. Is it Balfour? It is Balfour. Thank Eric you. Eric Balfour and Jessica yes. Biel. Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so they reboot it in 2003, but by this point, none of the movies have had any form of continuity anyway. Yeah. So the reboot feels just as much the way that the sequels did where it's just like here's leatherface 
with a new family. Every mm-hmm. single one of these movies, it's Leatherface and a new family of crazies that he has Man. orbiting him. Yeah. And so the 2003 remake is, it's hilarious to call it that. It does not retell the story of the 74 movie. Mm-hmm. It tells a new story reinterpreting elements of the original movie, which you can make the argument is what all the sequels had already been doing. Weird. Now, after the 2003 remake did well, they decide to make a prequel in the same continuity. Mm-hmm. So those two movies are lined up together neatly. Okay. That movie did poorly, however. I didn't know that existed. Yeah, there's a prequel to the 2003 movie. Do you know what it's called? Uh, Texas Chainsaw at the Beginning. Okay. Um, and then uh, because that did poorly, um, they then move on and we get Leatherface. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> is it Leatherface? No, no, no. It's Texas Chainsaw 3D. Sorry. Okay. We get Texas Chainsaw 3D with Alexandra Daddario. And that is stated to be a direct sequel to the original movie. Huh. You know, I had never heard of this concept until Halloween 2018, but clearly it's been around. Halloween 2018 put it on the map and gave it a name. Texas Chainsaw, from a certain point of view, has been doing it all along. Right. You know, you could easily have said Texas Chainsaw 3 ignores it. It's a direct sequel to the original. Mm -hmm. And you could say that 4 is a direct sequel to the original. Because there's Maybe nothing you'd feel that ties silly saying that. So the, you stop saying it. Yeah, no. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> there's nothing that ties them together. Right. And then a couple of years ago, there was a French movie um, called Leatherface, mm-hmm. which is a prequel to the original, but it's in continuity with Texas Chainsaw 3D with Alexandra Daddario. Oh my God. I can't think of who that is. Alexandra. Yeah. She's, she's a. I think I already She was got in it. Gone Girl. Yeah. Yeah. And then now, of course, we've got the new Texas Chainsaw Massacre, which is being credited as coming from, um, uh, uh, oh my God, what's his name? The Twisted Mind of? Feta Alvarez. Okay. Who did the Evil Dead reboot. Oh, okay. And the entire sales pitch for this new Texas Chainsaw is it's a direct sequel to the original. How groundbreaking. So <laughs> my point is- It's so weird who how- cares? This is a Everyone is mess. just copying Halloween. I know. By everyone, I'm basically saying scream in this. It was a formula for I, success. Oh, I know. That's the reason they did, because it made eight it million made bajillion dollars. So money. you would want to emulate that. But it's so like naked in a way. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like calling scream scream. Yes. The same way they called Halloween just Halloween again. Yes. And um like advertising a direct sequel in this way to Texas Chainsaw Massacre as though that hasn't happened before. This Halloween effect is really still booming. I remember when that came out and we both didn't like it. We were like, well, you know what? This is going to, because it's doing so well, hopefully green light a lot of really cool, interesting horror things. And we were half right. Yeah, exactly. Like so far, it seems like people are, taking the success of that and completely understandably it is true but finding ways to directly emulate that success rather than being like people like horror it's more like people like this thing they like old horror and we'll call it this Mm -hmm. and we'll do this with it it's and ignore everything in between takeaway even though weirdly if you ignore everything in between you lose the uh the history and the stakes of something yeah if there's any movie that could have benefited from not ignoring everything that happened in between mm-hmm. it was halloween i know 2018 i, I still feel this way i remember grumbling really hard about it when i found out that it was a direct sequel a i was groaner. like what a major groaner yeah and so it's kind of a 
bummer that that well you know what it's only in this instance that we're seeing it being a takeaway so i'm not too concerned I guess. but i don't i i don't like it is my, what i'm saying yeah i'm with you my my feeling is that it's I, i'm noticing how strange it is on just a macro level that the texas chainsaw massacre every single sequel that's been made aside from one all seem to directly connect to exclusively the original yeah even when they made it like a prequel it's a prequel to the original right you know what i mean yeah like it's just and and, and the then movies, weirdly when they make a remake they don't remake the original i know yeah it's How very strange. strange and and what's weird as well so now with the new movie that's out on netflix there mm-hmm. are nine texas chainsaws and if you look at the overall franchise they appear to be produced almost in couplets so there's Texas Chainsaw 1 and 2, both made by Toby Hooper. Right. It's a tidy little two-movie experience. Set that aside now. Now we've got three where they try to see, can we have something interesting to say our own on our own without Toby Hooper? Mm-hmm. No. <laughs> and they go, all right, ignore that. Let's try again with yeah. Texas Chainsaw 4. Can we do it again? No. Okay. So now those two mistake movies happen in tandem together. So now right. we set those two aside. Right. Then you get the reboot and the reboot's prequel. So those happened together. Set those two aside. Was that Now you get Texas Chainsaw 3D and Leatherface. One is meant to be a sequel to the original and one's meant to be a prequel to the original. So those two um, uh, hinge on each other. Set those two aside. So this franchise divides into pairs. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's true. (laughs) Constantly, which is very weird. So now we've got nine. What's going to happen now? Are they going to make a sequel to this? It doesn't sound like it's well. I don't know. And it's, people it seem to well hate it. Number wise, I don't know. What, what, I'm not sure. what do numbers look like for Netflix? I have no idea. Do I'm they? St- I mean, do you ever really hear that? Sure. Like, you know, I don't know. Did like don't look up Smash it that weekend? Like, do we hear things like that even if the numbers aren't public? I, I mean, I don't. I mean, I, I don't know. The best I can yeah, go I by with so. that kind of thing is Zeitgeist, and are people talking about it? And arguably, that means that subscriber numbers probably went up. Mm-hmm. So if the point is, are people talking about know. it? I don't know if anybody's subscribing for. Texas Chainsaw Massacre. I agree. But if, if part of the point is, are people talking about it? Right. In my realm, at least, people mm-hmm. are talking about it. Yeah. They're just making fun of it. Yes. Yeah. Which isn't necessarily always a deal breaker. Right. They could kind of see that this is something people are interested in, but we didn't hit the mark exactly yeah. right. So maybe let's try this or yes. whatever. I was about to ask you if them doing the prequel to the 2003 movie was around the time that they did, um, you know, like Hannibal Rising. Oh, that's interesting. As a compliment to, is it just called Hannibal? Yeah. Okay. Probably. No, not not quite. I mean, it's kind of around the same time, but not super close. Hannibal Rising came out in 2007. Oh, Um, okay. But I was just wondering if there was, me too. That's why I was thinking, oh, maybe there was like a little mini kind of like horror-esque prequel boom, but I guess not really. Well, there was a remake boom, which would be right around 2003. Yeah. The Texas Chainsaw Massacre reboot was made in... Yeah, 2003, I believe. Their Wikipedia is super annoying because they break it into different continuities. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, right around this time, it was a Platinum Dunes movie who uh-huh. were sort of like well-known for remaking yep. um, A Nightmare on Elm Street and Friday the 13th, mm-hmm. both terrible yeah. movies. Terrible I know. I tried to rewatch the Friday the 13th remake like earlier this year. Yeah. I guess it was last year, but you know what I mean? And uh, I was like, Ugh, no thanks. It's, I just turned it off. It's real bad. Yeah. Um, um, and yeah. Hannibal came out in 2001. So I'm surprised that there was such a big stretch between those two. I'll tell you All what. Right. Texas Chainsaw Massacre, the beginning, the prequel to mm-hmm. the reboot, came out in 2006. 
So Hannibal oh. Rising came out a year later. I do sort of they're stylistically kind of similar too. That sort of like it's mopey, just so, flashy, color graded. Yeah, that's what I would imagine. For some reason in my head, I was like early two thousands prequels that you know seem kind of ill-advised right. <laughs> like maybe there was some sort of connection there yeah totally um so let me take you back william briefly to a time before texas chainsaw yeah massacre movies came out and to what ended up being partial real life inspiration for them it came from a few sources besides obviously just purely writing something fictional um the first one we'll talk about is of course, Ed Gein, right. who a lot of people know about. I think it's, you know, pretty widely understood that he was a big inspo for the movie. And so, Ed Gein, I, I don't know. He wasn't a serial killer, though, right? No, he did some killing. Um, he, he mostly did body snatching, though. Okay. And he made skin into lampshades and yep. things like that. Yeah. Hence where you can make the leap into leather face. Yes. And especially in the one first of the movie. things they found was a leather face-esque mask. Oh, did they? Yeah. Oh, my mm -hmm. God. In his house. So, uh, And in the original movie, there's this odd, interesting, underdeveloped idea of the cannibal family making like bone artwork mm -hmm. or or tableaus it's out really of bodies. It's really freaky. I kind of it forgot is. about that. It's scary. Yeah, that part is really scary. And I almost wish that there was sort of more mm -hmm. on that. I know. Because it's kind of fascinating. I wonder if it's one of those things at all where if we had more of it, it would be too much. Maybe, Maybe. it's best left that you, you, you really just kind of like see this stuff and draw your... I mean, there's no other conclusion to draw, but you really just see it and you're like, oh my God. Yeah. These people are like making all kinds of crap out of like bones and skin and fur and it's stuff. It's just funny to be like, maybe they thought it would be too much as if the filmmakers were concerned about it's not a terribly subtle movie, even if it's bloodless. It's certainly not. Yeah. But no, I almost unintentionally, maybe it's the perfect amount or right. something yeah, where you're true. just like, it's what just is that? But intriguing. it's not yeah. super duper lingered on. Yeah. Um, so yeah, he, Ed Gein, was a body snatcher from Wisconsin. His nickname was also the Butcher of Plainfield. Mm. And you know I was thinking? They, a lot of um, serial killers end up being referred to publicly by three names so that you can, you know, differentiate them from other other people who just happen to have that name ed gein no even right. though he's one of the most notorious i would say yeah it's not edward james gein i know james gein james <laughs> it's gein. like james dean yeah uh maybe he didn't have a middle name or something maybe i don't yeah. know um so yeah so he exhumed corpses uh, corpses like grave robbed uh, and also killed a few people so that he could make mementos out of their skin and bones so when the cops came in there were lamps there's all kinds of crap including a mask um also a tidbit about him that i either didn't know or did not remember which is so freaky and very cinematic i feel like although it's real life but i'm just i don't know i'm surprised i haven't seen this thing that i can think of so he was obsessed with his mom and he kept her room in perfect condition with her in it in not so perfect condition even though the rest of the house was like rotting away really? and was like disgusting so you'd go through this house that has like rotting wood boards and everything and open this room that's in like pristine beautiful condition but she was in there yeah dead yeah did he kill her i don't think so actually really no um but he did say that he hoped to one day be able to crawl inside her skin oh oh well you got to dream big yeah um right. that's the norman bates Shoot thing for the, mo the moon and at least you'll land among the stars that's right mm -hmm. at least you'll land in your mom's skin yeah right that's the because ed Gein is also very famously one of the or actually i don't know if he's 
directly the inspiration for aspects of Norman Bates. I think so. Because he would have he would have been discovered around the time that Robert Block was writing, I believe. Because I think Robert Block said that he based um, Norman Bates more on the idea of there's a killer next door, and otherwise he seems like just he should be an average guy, but you don't know what's going on in there. If I remember, cor- I didn't look f- into this for this, but if I remember correctly from us talking about Psycho, I think that the Ed Gein thing was happening in real time, not that far from where Robert Block lived. Yeah, I believe that's and right. And so he was reading about it and it kind of inspired Norman Bates like super directly in that way. Oh, like a ton of specific details too? Uh, I don't know if super specific, but I think that in real time he'd be reading the newspaper and then incorporate stuff. So maybe the mom stuff made it in there in that way maybe so psycho. we record guide to the unknown live on our patreon patreon.com slash gttu pod which is why i'm able to look at the chat right now and see our viewer kit cat saying um that his mother is said to have died of quote-unquote natural causes mm-hmm. um, but that she yeah screwed him up massively yeah so yeah. So, I mean, that's that's kind of uh, Norma and Norman Batesy. Totally. You yeah. know, like overly dope. I mean, who knows how Ed Gein's mom screwed her up. But that that is a dynamic at play that his mom was like overly doting and they had an unhealthy codependent relationship. So. There's also a massive aspect of the Leatherface character that is mm-hmm. underdeveloped and questionable in intent where he will wear women's skin and do the makeup on the face and dress like a woman and behave as his impression of what a woman is i have a little bit of insight into that oh great okay from the imdb trivia let me find where it is okay so this is this is a direct quote um it says Leatherface wore three different masks, the killing mask, old lady mask and pretty woman mask. Gunnar Hansen, who played uh, Leatherface in the first movie, commented the reason he wore a mask, according to Toby and Kim, who's the co-writer, um, was that the mask really determined his personality, who he wanted to be that day determined what mask he put on. So when Drayton comes home with Sally, Leatherface is wearing the old lady mask and he's wearing an apron and carrying a wooden spoon because he wants to be domestic, helpful in the kitchen. At dinner, he wears a different face, the pretty woman, which has makeup. The pretty woman outfit consists of a female wig and a black suit as Leatherface is dressing up for dinner, an old deep south tradition which stems from his southern upbringing. And the killing mask is the skin mask he wears while chasing and murdering captives. Hansen later added, quote, the idea of the mask is that there's no personality under the mask. That was the idea in talking with Toby and Kim. When they created the character, they said he has to put on masks to express himself because he can't do it himself. The way we try to create him, there's nothing under the mask, which is what makes him so frightening. Yeah. So he was, yeah, like playing roles, I guess, with those, uh, the old lady mask, like the pretty woman mask. But yeah, I mean, who knows what other stuff is, even if it's in the background, right. like wo- woven into that story. Well, that's him. why. Yeah, I'm puzzled. I still don't know that. I. Un- it's interesting to hear that. Like the so reason it seems like the reason it like is not deep, at least as Gunnar right. Hansen says it, that just like if there's a dinner, you might want to be like dressed up like a pretty lady serving everybody. I know there's no there's no psychology. They didn't right. know anything to, to like plumb the psychology here. They did it- also say they want him to be a little bit of a blank slate so um and not really have emotional depth to him deliberately like it said that there was gibberish written to the script for leatherface to say okay um let me see let me get to that then now 
Um, okay, there were lines of gibberish written in the script for Leatherface. Toby Hooper would sit with Gunnar Hansen and tell him what the lines meant, and the actor had to figure out a way to say that without actually speaking. Wow. In the scene where the old man comes home and starts yelling at Leatherface about the door, Hansen remembers a take where he communicated a little too verbally. Uh, Hooper told him there was, quote, too much intelligence in the character, and the shot was redone. Okay. So they really want him to be very surface and not deep okay which is okay Mm -hmm. but like i guess i mean here are the controversial things that i think are worth pointing out about this character yeah it seems to me very plainly that leatherface is meant to be one mentally disabled yes two have some form of gender dysphoria or thought about I mean, I, mean, I don't make... understand. There's no, there's yeah. nothing to the, the part of the problem is there's nothing to really mine from why is he you know dressing up in a woman's face and clothes right and and acting like you know an offensive ridiculous stereotype of a woman shrieking you know because right. she saw a mouse basically I know you know what I mean like I, if there's nothing to mine from that then it's sort of just like it amounts to like well it's in there because it's weird and scary and it's like well that's I don't it's... can't respect that no. Yeah. Yeah. No, I I know. I to be totally honest, I think it was on that level. I know. It that seems it's weird be... and scary and unsettling. Exactly. I right. kind of think that's all their intent was there. Which honestly might be part of the reason why it doesn't play well today. No. Um when you when we talk about the the new movie, the Netflix movie for um for Monday's Patreon episode, like I want to, I want to think about that again because, okay. like, what is he supposed? Does to Does this be? pop up in the new one? Yeah, it does. It does. Yeah, a little bit, a little bit, but in a pretty important way for for the the character. Really, but with no more depth That's than what it ever had. So, is it done sensitively? No. I don't think so. Interesting. In today's day and age. No, the movie seems so dopey that I, it's hard for me to give it credit for like really having something to say. Not you know? even having something to say, but is it like, is it as simplistic as this where it's like, man dresses up like woman, so scary. Um, No, I guess there's a little more intent behind uh-huh. the specific reason why he picks this outfit uh-huh. okay. is a little is a little different okay um but like it's still just Curious. it's just weird I'm surprised. It, i would think they would just leave that out entirely right. yeah because it, it certainly is just like like you would even think cynically it's bad business to want to court this controversy that's really what i mean right <laughs> like you know i would obviously hope that people would try to think sensitively about other people but i just mean business wise business wise especially they... in a movie where there's a canceled joke Oh my god! I'm yeah. surprised that they have Leatherface. Try anything and you're canceled, bro. Yeah, they right. Leatherface in the movie. <laughs> is it when Leatherface is dressed in a woman oh, outfit? That would be great. Yeah. That's that's when that moment should happen. Yeah, apparently. Um. Yeah. No. <laughs> so anyway, all right. If there's nothing to mind, then all right. At least we're calling it out for what it appears to be. I th- I think that's what and I I'm, think. I'm that's... welcome. I'm welcome to other perspectives and maybe somebody involved in the franchise Certainly. touched on this at some point, but I don't know that. Based on what they said there, it seemed pretty simplistic. Pretty like bald he, and simple. Yeah. yeah. Like he wears different masks for different characters, right. and the way that it, you know that could be fine on its own, but the way it plays out in the movie is definitely like. Oh, the, everything in this world is perverse. Here's another thing on this, as, as long as we're courting controversy. Mm-hmm. Leatherface is a character in a video game franchise that I like called Dead by Daylight. Right. We've played this before where yeah. one person plays as a killer and then four other people play as people who are trying to survive. Mm-hmm. In this game, they give you a lot of what they refer to as cosmetics. 
for Leatherface, I guess that's actually really on the yeah, nose. Yeah, I guess it is. There's one of his um, his outfits that he can wear is he's wearing the face of different survivors from the game. Mm-hmm. One of the faces, I think just one, is of a black person. Oh. So if Leatherface is wearing a black person's face. That's blackface. That's blackface. Yeah. So they, blackface. they removed that from the game. Hmm. Now. I know. None of it's good. None of it's I know. It's so yeah. strange. It, there's, there's nothing to gain from really trying to analyze this because it's so, it's so it says It's also awful. as cut and dry as blackface is terrible. Exactly. It we seems like a no brainer that you just don't think, put it in the game. I think whether, that's a good move. Whether or not you realize that that's a bad thing right. or cynically, you don't want your business to come under fire for it. Yes. Don't put it in your goddamn game. Absolutely. So it's out of the game. Yeah. But the point is that the inherently the character of Leatherface is a tricky, mm. tricky thing to nail. Yeah. So he's he can he should only um, kill a white person right and wear their face right. It's so weird. That's okay. It's such it's just such a weird world. It's such no, a weird world where like those are the rules yeah. that they've confined themselves to. Yes. You know what I mean? Yeah. Of it's, course. It's very complicated. That is that is complicated and kind of funny. Right. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Um, so it turned out that there's somebody else who also inspired the movie. And that is somebody whose name is Elmer Wayne Henley. Got a middle name in there this time. Um, So the writers have acknowledged studying Gein and his crimes for the movie, but really the media coverage in particular of Elmer Wayne Henley inspired the This is a True Story opening for the movie. Oh, that's interesting. So this guy's deal is that he recruited male victims for an older man who killed them. And you might remember uh, him being portrayed in season two of Mindhunter. Uh, he was in that okay. on Netflix. Yeah. So, you know, they remember. go to interview him. Yeah. It's this kid who's kind of like in denial in a way about his role in these murders. He's like a younger guy? Yeah, kind of. And so he had this older, like, I don't know, friend, I don't know what you would call it, who is a gay guy who, like, basically recruited Elmer Wayne Henley to gather male victims for him and so they were kind of like pressing him on interrogation like well are you gay yeah and he was like super duper defensive yeah so that might jog your memory totally um so i wanted to read out what the intro to the movie is which is read by john larroquette yeah and he was paid a joint (laughs) to do this the very 70s it totally is ass gas or grass man (laughs) I get, well, not ass. No. Ga- grass. <laughs> or gas. <laughs> okay. I'll take some gas. Yeah, I'll take gas. <laughs> a bucket yeah. of gas. Yeah. An open-topped um, gas bucket expensive. of gas. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sloshing it on your way home. Yeah. Um, okay, so here is what opens the Texas Chainsaw Massacre, the first movie. 
The film which you are about to see is an account of the tragedy which befell a group of five youths, in particularly Sally, in particular Sally Hardesty and her invalid brother Franklin. It is all the more tragic in that they were young. But had they lived very, very long lives, they could not have expected, nor would they have wished to see as much of the mad and macabre as they were to see that day. For them, an idyllic summer afternoon drive became a nightmare. The events of that day were to lead to the discovery of one of the most bizarre crimes in the annals of, Am- of American history, the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. It's a fun, scary opening. Oh, I love it. I actually, yeah. that's like the best part of the movie, it, it, it which is, is to say nothing because it lasts 30 seconds. Yeah. Um, but so Toby Hooper saw the way that the news covered that dude's crimes in like really graphic detail. And he thought that a horror movie might not be so far off from that. Yeah. Like there was some overlap there. And also the coverage of the Vietnam war inspired him in the same way. Like they're showing this stuff on the news. Like this is really intense. Yeah. And so using that sort of like real life thing in a movie, uh, wormed into his head. Um, also Henley apparently, and didn't do this in Mindhunter, but whatever, apparently owned up to his crimes in a very matter of fact way. Like when they caught him, he was like, yep, you caught me. I did the crime. I'll do the time. Oh wow! And, um, the writers of the movie were interested in having some of the characters have similar, like unflinching, just badness to them. A matter of fact. Yep. Here's who I am and what I do. Exactly. Um, the last thing that I want to say is that the reason chainsaws even came into the picture is because of this. This is a quote from Toby Hooper. There were these big Christmas crowds. I was frustrated and I found myself near a display rack of chainsaws. I just kind of zoned in on it. I did a rack focus to the saws and I thought, I know a way I could get through this crowd really quickly. I went home, sat down, all the channels just tuned in, the zeitgeist blew through, and the whole damn story came to me in what seemed like about 30 seconds. The hitchhiker, the older brother at the gas station, the girl escaping twice, the dinner sequence, people out in the country, out of gas. Wow. Yeah. So he was looking at a display of chainsaws like, I could just chainsaw my way through this crowd. And inspired the whole thing. That's pretty wild. Mm -hmm. Thank God for Tickle Me Elmo, huh? (laughs) Thank God. Although... I mean, if they sold chainsaws in the same store with the Tickle Me Elmo, that thing was pretty hotly in demand. Oh, yeah. You can make your way to it pretty fast with a chainsaw. That's true. So it sounds to me almost in a weird way. It's almost a... Doesn't it feel like it's an oversight that there's not a... Not one of these movies set at Christmas where somebody... Where Leatherface uses a chainsaw in a department store? Doesn't that seem like an 80s thing? Yes, it does. Yes, it does. Now I think about it, are there... Like, there's not like a Christmas Halloween... I mean, it's not it's Halloween, mean? but there's not like a Halloween movie that has a Christmas element. Specifically the movie Halloween? Any of them. The franchise. No. I know it takes place on Halloween. Correct. But is there a Christmassy Friday the 13th? Uh, no. But people uh, really want And they want don't always one. take place on Friday the 13th. No. no? Some of them take place on like Monday the <laughs> yeah. 16th? Right. Yeah. Right. No. Mm-hmm. No. Yeah, um, I think a lot of franchises are missing a Christmas episode. I agree. I, yeah. You know what? I agree. I do like a Christmas horror thing. Yeah, totally. Yeah. It's fun. Um, so I just to lead into what you're going to be talking about, um, you know, the first movie came out in 1974. Roger Ebert actually begrudgingly gave it like not a horrible review. I was, I was figuring that he was going to like rip it a total new one. Yeah. And he said it was, quote, a successful production in service of an unnecessary movie. Oh, so it was like technically well done, 
but he was just like, this is not my kind of thing. Um, then he hated the second movie yeah. and ripped it. So the first one was pretty straightforward. You know, people are going out to visit their old town and see their grandfather's grave because they heard that there was a grave robbing and they want to check up on it. Right. They decide to visit their old family house. And that's where Leatherface and the family are and slash, slash, slash. Then the second one, like we said, happens 12 years later. It's completely different. Um, even the post, it's all like 80s and like has its own humor and stuff. The poster is made to look like the Breakfast Club poster yeah. with the characters. And the deal is that there's a DJ named Stretch who is getting prank phone calls to the radio station. And during the course of one, here's um, the... <laughs> Why did I forget his name all of a sudden? Let's say the Texas Chainsaw guy. <laughs> Here's Leatherface killing them. Yeah. And then the local cop, who's Dennis Hopper, wants them to lure Leatherface and some cronies who are bad guys to the radio station where they can dispatch them and trap them there. And like tons of weirdness ensues. It's like a really weird bonkies movie. Yeah. It's really like off the wall mm-hmm. and insane. And yeah. like. I I really enjoy, I'm going to say, maybe the first half of that movie just mm-hmm. because it is so inventively weird. Yeah. They're, they're, the kids that prank call the radio DJ and whose deaths are heard over the phone, they're basically drag racing mm-hmm. with Leatherface and his brother. Yeah. They're like speeding along, you know, side by side down this road or on this bridge. And Leatherface is wearing a sheet, mm-hmm. a black sheet, on which there is a dead body. Right. And so he's dancing around, and the dead body that's on the sheet is, like, dancing along with his movements and jangling He is stuff. weekend at Bernie's saying it. And it's so unsettling mm-hmm. and scary looking, but in such a weird way. Yeah, in such the a context is weird. I feel like there's, like, jazzy music playing, the yeah. racing. It's, it's, to it's me. It's all incongruous. And like, just, like, super inventive and fun, even though it's grotesque it is fun. and stupid. It is fun. I, I, I think that I enjoyed the second one more than the first. Yeah, what do you think of the first? I don't like it. I really don't like it at all. There, there, it's just gross. It makes me feel grimy. Yeah. It's not for me. No. This movie is not my kind of movie. There is a surprising amount of ra- raspberry blowing in that first movie. Yeah. There are like entire scenes where characters are just going. <laughs> yeah. In particular, Sally, the final girl. Mm-hmm. Although final girls weren't necessarily a known But now thing. we know that she's a final girl. Her brother, Franklin, uh, is one of the most detestable, annoying, mm-hmm. gross characters in any horror movie ever. Yeah. He's whiny. He's like, if I have enough, if I have too much fun, I'm just going to die. Yeah. Everything he says is a whine. And then, yeah, he's literally blowing raspberries for like 15 seconds of the movie. And I'm like, I don't, culturally, we've moved past the raspberry. I'm not sure what the raspberry means. <laughs> anymore so is this normal for people in the 70s all meaning did this make normal sense to people in the 70s what is this i don't know because to me i'm just like shut him up yeah shut up get him out Out of here here. get him out of here yeah i can't see him anymore right i can't look um yeah the first movie is just uncomfortable yeah absolutely so not not a fan all right so uh all right let's take a quick break and then i'm Mm -hmm. gonna i'm gonna speed you through the sequels sounds good um, but I, I do want to say, because we talked about it last week mm-hmm. and we've got our dates and times this Sunday, 
This yes. coming Sunday, which is what? February 27th. Kristen and I are going to be speaking at PhenomenaCon. That's right. So we are doing a talk on the surprising emotional intelligence of TV's infamous ghost bros. Yeah. Take from that what you will. But Will and I will be dissecting a really popular ghost show and its host. And I think it's going to be a really, really fun talk. So that is happening this Sunday, if you're listening in real time, two days from now. Um, Sunday, February 27th at 4.45 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. That's and right. if you would like tickets to PhenomenaCon, they're sold as a whole for the whole weekend. You can go to patreon.com slash paramuseum and there will be a post that's made public for everybody where you can see the entire lineup of speakers their times what they're talking about and purchase a ticket for that whole weekend for $15. So this is actually getting one of the tiers for the Paranormal Museum uh, Patreon page. There are explicit, really clear instructions in that public post about what to do if you really are just trying to buy entry to PhenomenaCon and then you want to leave if you're not interested in their Patreon. Although I totally recommend it. I've been a patron for years now. But that is all going down. PhenomenaCon this weekend in real time, February 25th to the 27th. And we are going to be there on the 27th at 4.45. Yeah, so make sure that you join us. Yep. And yeah, 15 bucks gets you into every single panel that they're doing. Yes, hours of panels. And yeah. then they're available for, I think, just a few days afterward. I think maybe five days all this stuff is going to be up. Don't quote me on that. It says in the post, but for a few days because they're aware that, you know, people have different commitments and international time differences and stuff. Um, but I, it's going to be awesome. I've been... Why I, I've been glued to the computer for the previous two phenomena cons, and I find them really worthwhile. Uh, worthwhile. I found interesting people whose work to dig into that I've used for guides to the unknown and referenced here. Um, it's an awesome, really fun, but also really informative resource. So I totally recommend checking out PhenomenaCon. Yeah. Which actually, as this episode drops on Friday, mm -hmm. it's happening right now. Yeah. Yep. So definitely go check it out. I'm going to have a link in the show notes. So just look in the show notes below mm -hmm. and you're going to have a direct link to the post. And yeah, we'll see you on Sunday at 445 Eastern to talk about uh, broy ghost hunters. That's right. If you and, know what we're saying. Oh, yeah. And if you watched Hellier, which I know that a lot of you did, this is all put on by Dana and Greg Newkirk, who you might know from Hellier. And so it's going to be a really cool experience. Yeah. And Kristen is the one that orchestrated all of this for us. So mm -hmm. thank you, Chrissy. I You're think it's going to be a lot of fun. Thank you. I'm extremely excited. I can't wait. Great. Yeah. Um, and the other thing that I want to say right this second, if you go to our Patreon, yeah. which is patreon.com slash pod, we've got an exclusive podcast that happens over there. And so this past Monday, Kristen and I dug into some like BuzzFeed quiz type stories. Yeah. So there are all these like, you know, BuzzFeed personality quizzes where they're like, which final girl are you? Mm -hmm. Well, a lot of people have taken those kinds of quizzes and, and told choose your own adventure stories. Yep. So now the quiz is, do you take the left fork in the path or the right fork in the path? And you make your choices and see how the story evolves. Mm -hmm. And maybe you die at the end. Maybe you survive. Anyway, Kristen and I did a bunch of those. Yeah. Some of them were better than others. Oh, 
that's for sure. But the ones that were great were like really great. Yeah, really fun. There was one that had so many different options. We just kept going back to the beginning and you would end up with a totally different story. And yeah. they ruled. It was very fun. Following different like story trees. Yeah. So that's waiting for you right now. If you go to patreon.com slash GTTU pod, that came out on our demon tier. Mm -hmm. That is our current highest tier. It starts at $13 a month. But for that tier, you get a brand new show every single week and as we already said this coming monday we're going to be talking about the brand new texas chainsaw massacre movie that's out on netflix and that's going to be starting at our ghost tier which is four dollars a month and entitles you to a new episode every month mm -hmm. we also have a banshee tier right in the middle the sweet spot yep two episodes a month starting at eight dollars a month so we've got something uh for you uh, uh, whichever way you slice it. That's if you right. like Guide to the Unknown, go dive in. Yeah, there's also a Discord that people are talking in every single day. So it's basically like a chat room that has different categories in it. And you also get access to that once you become a patron with us on any of those levels, starting with the ghost tier. Yeah, and uh, we can't thank you enough yeah, uh, absolutely. Uh, if you do decide to, uh, to take the jump with us. Yeah. Um, all right, so let's talk about some of those Texas Chainsaw sequels. Mm -hmm. um, so after the first two, Texas Chainsaw 3, which is actually called Leatherface, the right. Texas Chainsaw Massacre 3, is notable in very few ways. Mm -hmm. um, I think the one that I'm going to harp on the most is that Vigo Mortensen really? is one of the primary villains in what this What year movie. did this come out? 80... Okay. <laughs> so he wasn't famous yet. No, I don't yeah. think so. No, maybe it was 90. Maybe it was 90. Even so, I don't think. Leatherface, Texas, Chainsaw. And the then Matthew McConaughey also shows up in the franchise. He shows up in, in Texas Chainsaw Massacre 4 alongside Renee Zellweger. Oh, that's right. I forgot Renee Zellweger's in There's the a movie. scene in the movie where she goes, he had a chainsaw. He was chasing me with a chainsaw. <laughs> There's a man with a chainsaw. Keeps saying it like that. Yeah. Maybe a little more Valley Girl-ish. Uh -huh. But so... uh. Leatherface, The Texas Chainsaw Massacre 3, right now it's got a 19% on Rotten Tomatoes, 30% mm. on Metacritic, 5.1% on IMDb, which is incredibly low for IMDb. Yes. Um, it did absurdly poorly. Mm -hmm. It seems like off of Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2, which was so amplified in comedy, right. they wanted to dip more specifically into horror again. But their mode of horror is just uh, uh, visually gross great it is ugly it is dark it is a literally meaning like underexposed you cannot see what's going on they're running around in swamps in texas so is it grosser than the first one um it's hard to get grosser than the first one is right. it grosser than the first one hmm maybe you know what it might be yeah. It might be. Um, there's a scene where Leatherface is um although, you know, as, as much as I say they swamps shy are away pretty from, ooky. They are pretty ooky. Yeah. You've got me there. Um, there is a, a little girl in the family now. So every single uh, movie, Leatherface, you know, it's Leatherface and his family. Right. Is really what these movies are. As much as they want Leatherface. They're family movies. They're family movies. As much as they want Leatherface to be Michael Myers or be Freddy, he is mute. Right. Like Michael Myers, I guess. Yeah. And like uh, Jason. Yes. But he's not stoic. Right. He, and he's not a lone wolf. No. His characterization is... Oddly that he's kind of meek. Yeah, Rhea. Mm -hmm. He's scared and reactionary. Right. And so what's particularly scary in these movies is not just him. It's that he's got a family. Yes. And Actually, they as a group work together to capture people, torture them, kill them, and eat them. Leatherface really has a village. 
Yeah. He's got a major support system. It takes a village. It takes a village. Yeah. But he's got a major support system around him. Like anybody tries to escape that family, right. they hold on to them. Oh, very much for so. For Leatherface to come back and get them. That's a tight-knit community. It's true. And you've cited this before They're as an anxiety of yours. Yeah. Even when the oh, survivors run away. I hate it. And they, they seemingly run to safety. They run to, uh, you know... Uh, a general store and they're like there was a crazy guy out there he had a chainsaw he's chasing me with a chainsaw they're like don't worry honey you just stay here I'm gonna call the police I'm gonna take care of it and then they're actually like calling Leatherface exactly yes yeah. the, everybody that you turn to is part of this right. cannibal family I hate it but what's... except in Rosemary's Baby where I love it I know yeah well because that's also like kind of like an artistic heightened yeah. movie yeah. with more to say right these movies have nothing to say no um but so there's something that is kind of appealing about the family dynamic in these movies because it means that there's a body count both on the survivor side yeah, and on right. the villain side. Mm -hmm. You know, in Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2, they take out Chop Top, right. uh, the crazy member of the family. Mm -hmm. But part of the problem with these movies as well is that they keep having to invent new family members who are scary for new, unique yeah, reasons. Yeah, I know. Like, this is a really big extended family, it seems like. And that's part of the reason why it and feels... And they're all cannibals? I know. And that's another part of the reason why they all feel standalone. Why there is no continuity. Yeah. Because there's no way a there family is be. this big. Yeah. And, that's, and therefore, none of the movies can feel that connected to each other. Right. Because Leatherface is not enough of a character to stand on his own. Yeah. So he must have family members. So in these, in three and four, Leatherface is not even the star. Hmm. He's not the star of Leatherface, the Texas Chainsaw Massacre 3. Vigo Mortensen is. Hmm. Because just like Marilyn Munster before him. He's the like pretty. He's like the normal one. He's the normal one. Yeah. And that's what makes him particularly scary is that uh -huh. he doesn't, you know, have like one spooky eye. Yeah. He doesn't, you know, like constantly like snicker and sneer at you and like say, sniff. say gross things and yeah. lick your face and stuff. He seems like he could be normal, hmm. except he's a monster. So he's like a little bit of a Patrick Bateman of this world. A little bit, but he goes, he goes pretty big. Yeah. Um, so Leatherface uh, 3 um, is, is boring and, and has nothing to do with anything. It is Great. a standalone movie. I have not much to remark on other than it feels cheap and gr gritty and gross and dirty. Perfect. Texas Chainsaw Massacre 4 I just finished watching, mm -hmm. like literally before we started recording. Um, and uh, begrudgingly, as horrible as it is, Kind of enjoyed it? Kind of enjoyed it. That's good. All because right. Because it knows it's stupid. Yeah. So Leatherface, the third one, was like, all right, no more comedy. We're mm -hmm. serious and scary. And then four kind of knows this is stupid. Yeah. And they're playing into that a little bit. Okay. So Matthew McConaughey that. is so big. Uh -huh. There are certain points in the movie where he's just going, do, 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 do. He's like making weird sounds. Okay. <laughs> Dead Meat James, you uh -huh, know, from yep. Kill Count. He kept playing. He did a kill that count sound. for this, and he kept yeah. playing the sound over and over of him, just going like, "No, no." Why like, is he doing that? I don't know. To show he's unhinged and enjoying himself, <laughs> but all these guttural sounds weird are just real off the wall. Sounds like he was taking a page from the Nicolas Cage. Acting you know what? Playbook. You know what? You're not wrong. It's and it's also crazy in modern era that that's. Matthew McConaughey. Yeah, right. I know. He's a big deal. He's a big deal, but he's also an avowed weirdo. True. So it's just fun to see, you know, a a normie celebrated yeah. actor yeah. going wild. I for kind horror. of love Matthew McConaughey. Yeah, I like him quite a bit. True yeah. detective. Oh, come on. But it, stupendous. 
he's great. I think he's a good guy. Truly great. He does. He goes all right, all right, all right. Yeah, he he's does that say guy. it in this movie. Oh, he says it in this. He movie. does say it in the movie. I like him. I like him. I to he's say got that. a robotic leg. Okay. He's got a leg brace that you control with a TV remote. Oh, okay. Um, doesn't make a lick of sense. Well. Uh, but he uses it in really gross ways oh. because it gives him additional strength. So he like is able to squash someone's head with his foot. Oh no! And man, hit the intensity of his act because you don't see it, you hear it. Uh huh. But the look on his face—he's turning beet red, oh and the God. veins in his neck are bulging out because the intensity with which he must be yeah. forcing his foot down on them. He is so big yeah. and intense in this movie. So big, and Leatherface is again. A footnote. Mm-hmm. Uh, the only thing uh, noteworthy about Leatherface in particular in this movie is that he um, gets the most like outwardly cartoonish woman suit by the end of the movie, where he's wearing basically like a nighty. Okay, and uh, keeps going like ah, and like yeah, really, really big, yeah, absurd stereotype uh-huh. kind of stuff. Um, but I have to say, for as stupid as this movie is, at least it knew it was kind of dumb. Fun. Yeah. They try to explain how this family keeps getting away with stuff by uh Vigo Mortensen insists that they're part of the Illuminati, basically. He's okay. like, Who do you think really killed JFK? So he sticks around for the fourth one? Matthew McConaughey? He's only in the fourth one. Oh, you said Vigo Mortensen. Oh, sorry. In my okay. head, they're kind of the same person, yeah. to be honest. Hmm. As much as I love Matthew McConaughey, yeah. they're because sort of the of same. Because these movies are the, sort of the same person? Maybe. Yeah. Maybe. They both fill a sort of similar role in yeah. these films, especially knowing that they become something, you know, enormous, like respected performers, but they're in these junky things. Right. I think it, part of it's that, but they sort of run together in my head a little bit. Yeah. So, um, yeah, by the end of the movie... As much as Matthew McConaughey has been saying, like, you know, people enable us to do this. Like, we do the bidding of the government or whatever. And you think he's just out of his mind. Mm -hmm. At the end of the movie, a government agent does show up and is like, this was meant to be something spiritual. I want you to teach these people the meaning of fear. What? There's like a man in black riding around in a limo at the end of this movie. (laughs) My God. And it doesn't make any sense. Weird. But that was their attempt at justifying why the family gets away with it. It's that they're basically sponsored by somebody within the government. Okay. And he's got three disgusting like body piercings on his stomach. It's real it's real gross. Belly button or just on his stomach? On his stomach. I don't know what I'm looking at. It's like a bad prosthetic. Why can you see gross. that? He he's, unbuttons he's a his man shirt. in black? He unbuttons his shirt and he like kind of like like moves over to somebody to like show them them. Ew. Something like just that. Just to show them off? Just to show. Hmm. Just trying to show them. Just putting on a show. Just putting on a bit of a show. Yeah. Um, so uh, uh, here are the, the last things that I want to say. Right after this movie, the franchise died again. Uh-huh. It keeps dying. Yeah. This franchise, is, they keep me, they make a new movie. It doesn't do well. And they say it's dead. But you know how things go. They eventually make it back. So 2003, they reboot it. And it's not bad. Right. There's an intensity to it. Um, there's a grossness to it. But there's also something of a vision to it. Mm-hmm. There's like a, a conceit. There's actually an idea they're playing with mm-hmm. in it. And that is really actually using the family for once. Yeah. The idea that this is a community is is more enhanced. It doesn't feel like a random bunch of crazies that orbit around a leather face. It does feel like they're all cohesively part of a whole. So even though I think it's incorrect to term it a reboot, mm-hmm. it does not tell the same story as the original movie. Um, and it arguably, you know, if they had made a conventional a Texas Chainsaw 5, it would have just been Leatherface with a new family anyway. Yeah. So 
what's really the difference? They probably just wanted to kind of, I mean, is it like the same house kind of, even though it's not literally? No. Maybe they just wanted to go to a farmhouse and they couldn't figure out, I don't know. I think they just wanted to give it a sort of importance that the latter sequels obviously didn't have because they were crappy. Yeah. So we'll call it a reboot. Mm -hmm. We're saying forget everything we did before. New people are involved. Yeah. So you have at least a little bit of faith and a vision rather than it just feeling like it's the horror movie of the week. Right. Um, so I think it's really that more than anything. Mm-hmm. And it's intense. And yeah. it is very dark. And it'll make you feel bad. Mm-hmm. Um, but it feels purposeful and not random. Yeah. And not like they know they're making garbage. It feels like they, they're trying to make something that will genuinely scare you. Mm-hmm. And it's not bad for that. That's what I remember. The prequel's pretty vanilla. Uh, in terms of its ambition uh-huh i should say it's not vanilla. the activity the activity is anything but yeah. vanilla. <laughs> but it by by taking place before the reboot they actually do subvert things a little bit in interesting ways even though you know where they're gonna go yeah so in the reboot movie there's a character named monty who's part of the family and he's in a wheelchair and he's missing his legs from the knee down in the prequel monty's up and walking around yeah i mean stuff like that kind of like really brings you into the before and after of it all. For sure. It's a contrast a little bit, but you know, by the end of the movie, he's going to somehow not have legs. Right. So now the game is, how does it happen? Right. A little bit, right? Mm-hmm. So he gets one of his legs damaged and then Arlie Ermy tells Leatherface to to even him out. Oh, Arlie so, Ermy's in the prequel? Yeah, yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. So Leatherface cuts off both of his legs. So it was Leatherface that did that. We just didn't know that until the prequel. There are a bunch of little things like that, and they're all stupid, and they don't actually mean anything. Mm -hmm. It's just the game of doing a prequel and playing with like, well, we're going to show you how it became this way. Yeah. Even though once you see how it's like, well, why do I care how Monty ended up in a wheelchair? (laughs) Yeah, I don't don't really know Monty. It's just at least it feels like they were trying to do something interesting. And they were connecting it to the... They're aware that there was a previous movie in a franchise where a lot of times they're disconnected from previous movies the real odd thing is that the texas chainsaw the reboot is so standalone interesting enough Mm -hmm. that it's probably the one like best primed for an actual sequel yeah but i i don't think that creatively or 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 digestively audiences are in a place where they can go Forget about some of the sequels. This is a direct follow-up to one of the movies in the middle of a franchise. Right. You know what I mean? Like everything has to be a direct sequel to the original. Yeah. Direct sequel to the original. Even though slashers have different trajectories. Mm -hmm. Halloween, the original movie, is like conceptually tight. It's fine. It's good as is, which is why all the sequels suck. Right. Because they're trying to measure up to something that is like standalone great. Yes. Texas Chainsaw Massacre is born rough. Yeah. It's good enough. It's interesting enough. It's different enough. But can we do it better? Yeah. Mm -hmm. You can do it better. Same with Friday the 13th. Right. The first one's super derivative. Mm Mm-hmm. We can do it better. Let's build this as we go. It's a living, breathing thing. Let's tighten it up. Let's refine. What do people like about Jason? Yeah. Okay. They, more of that. More of that. Okay. The hockey mask. Now that we've got that, we'll stick with it. We figured right. out what this is supposed to be. I don't think ever, anybody ever figured out what Texas Chainsaw was supposed to be. Yeah, maybe not. It was born rough. It needed to be refined. Mm-hmm. And yet, right now, we're obsessed with the idea of everything needing to orbit around the original. Yes. Well, the, the original was imperfect. Right. And so was the 2003 one, certainly. But at least it felt like they were like, no, no, no. It's a tight-knit community 
but they do work in every business in this area. So no matter where you go, you can't They're escape. all going to be, yeah. That's fine. We can build from there. Right. But at the end of that reboot movie, Jessica Biel ends up chopping off Leatherface's arm. Mm-hmm. She cuts off his arm from the elbow down, so he can't run his chainsaw. Right. So I don't know. Like It feels to me like you go evil dead and have, have a, a chainsaw arm. Yeah, but maybe they felt like they couldn't do that. Because it's too because, derivative, I guess? Yeah. But like, I'd rather just and see... And also such a different, even though it's the same genre, like such a different feel in the oh, genre. massively. I would almost think it would be more okay if it was like... Eh, it still wouldn't be really okay, but like if somehow Texas Chainsaw Massacre was was referencing to be nice or ripping off to not be nice, uh, like Friday the Thirteenth. Yeah, Evil Dead is so like fun, yes. goofy that right. it just be like, what? You, that's not you can't just take something from Evil Dead and put it in Texas Chainsaw Massacre. That's certainly true, but you you at least it changes the way that Leatherface operates mm-hmm. because he's just. You expect him yeah, to be the same always... thing every time because th- he is nothing. Right. Like the original movie saying there's nothing under that mask. Yes, he's a blank slate. That's good for one movie. Right. And then if you make more, there's got to be gotta... something more to say or do with him. Or you got to start focusing on other people and, and that's have what they the all plan do. be like, this is almost like an anthology thing. And that's basically what they are. We're going to look at another person in the family yep. or something. So three, uh, two, you focus on Chop Top, Bill mm-hmm, Mosley. Right. Who's scratching his head with a coat hanger and eating yeah, the skin off gross. of it? Which is disgusting, but yeah. in a way where you're like, "Who came up with that? I That's know, crazy!" Like, what the hell? Yeah, it's at least inventive. Yeah, it makes totally. you go like, "What? Yeah, someone sat down and thought of that, yeah. and they did it." Yeah. Then three, you've got Vigo Mortensen. Four, you got Matthew McConaughey. Right. They become the focal points. Okay. All right. So. So they this at least sense. function on that level. Yeah. Anyway, beyond the reboot stuff, they made Texas Chainsaw 3D. The embarrassing thing here is that it's supposed to be a follow-up to the 74 movie, mm-hmm. but it takes place in the modern day. Okay, so that means 40 years have passed since the original. Right. Except um, they show that in the original there was a baby. Mm-hmm. We didn't know it. Okay. But there was a more of a family than we saw in the original, including a woman and, and a child. Mm-hmm. That child grows up to be Alexandra Daddario, who is not in her 40s. Okay. So the timeline doesn't make sense. Perfect. Her name is Heather. Mm-hmm. She does not know where she comes from. She knows she was adopted. She ends up finding out that she's inherited a mansion in Texas. So she goes there. By the way, she uh, works in meat. She is a butcher and, and makes artwork out of bones. <laughs> she works in meat. She works in okay. meat. I, I'm in meat. Yeah. Um, she inherits the house. Who's in the basement? Leatherface. He's in the basement. He kills all of her friends. Then she realizes that he's her cousin. Okay. She realizes that, oh, this is my family. I He's a relative of mine. Yeah. By the end of the movie, um, uh, the sheriff of the town is trying to get them, whatever. And she says, do your thing, cuz. Oh, my God. To Leatherface. Uh-huh. And then he revs up a chainsaw. Yikes. And no one wanted it. No one wanted it. <laughs> no one needed that. <laughs> Heather and Leather. No one oh, needed God. this. Yep, nobody wanted it. Yeah. So they said no. Right. And then that French movie, that French like team made mm-hmm. a, a movie called Leatherface that's a prequel to 74, but evidently in continuity with Do Your Thing, Cuz. Right. 
which is baffling. That's so weird. And uh, in that movie, uh, it's ostensibly following Leatherface as a child and showing how he became the monster that we know him to be. Mm. Uh, so that's very much also a Hannibal Rising kind of idea. Yeah, exactly. Um, I have not seen that one. It's one of my least favorite genres of thing. I don't think I see will see how this, this child one. turns into monster. Yeah, exactly. I don't like that. I, I don't care. Yeah. I do not care. Um, and uh, uh, that seemed like another death point. But yeah. now we've got a whole new movie. Right. And the line in the trailer is, try anything and you're canceled, bro. Well, you <laughs> hey, know brah. What? Hey, brah. Yeah, calling Leatherface bro. I know, whatever. <laughs> like taking a smartphone picture of Leatherface. Oh, God. Anyway, we're going to well, talk about that. Yep. That's, on Monday. That is coming at you. So if you are interested in hearing that, go to patreon.com slash pod and join us anywhere from the ghost tier on up to get that particular episode. That's right. And remember, PhenomenaCon, if you're listening in real time, is happening this weekend. So please go to patreon.com slash paramuseum to get your ticket for PhenomenaCon and to see all of these awesome people that's right yeah mm-hmm. what sunday at 4 45 yep sunday 4 45 we'll be talking about ghost bros join us mm-hmm. chat back and stuff too that'll be fun yeah you can cool. also go to gttupod.com that's our website where you can find all of our past episodes you can find contact info advertising info all sorts of stuff yeah mm-hmm. uh you can follow at gttu pod on twitter facebook and instagram to keep up with us we've been posting little short videos yep. on our tiktok and stuff so make sure that you follow us there as well mm-hmm. uh like comment subscribe smush that like smush button. that like button tell your friends all about us that'd be great we're on the poster for the the phenomena con too yeah. which is kind of neat yes finally some legitimacy <laughs> Finally, they put respect on our names. Finally. Yeah. Uh, but if you want to speak to us directly, you can also reach out to us. Yep. I'm at Chillin' Kristen. I am at The Myth Traveler. So we'll be back on Monday on Patreon mm-hmm. for Texas Chainsaw Massacre's new movie. And we'll be back next week on the main show to talk about, oh God, something that maybe is a little less gross. Who knows? And we'll be out there on Sunday for PhenomenaCon, That's which I'm right. very excited about. It's a busy time for Guide to the Unknown. It's our busy season. Don't yeah. you understand? Mm-hmm. Yeah, fe- February is really our busy season. Yeah. So yeah. until then, we must travel. Back to the netherworld. Go wait. How long is the new movie? Longy, shorty? I think pretty shorty. Okay, that's good. I, I, I want to say that, and I might be wrong, because I watched so much Texas Chainsaw yeah. <laughs> for this show. Yeah. I think it came in at under 90 minutes. Is that possible? Love to hear it. Oh, don't worry. It'll feel longer. <laughs> don't worry if you're concerned about the value. It'll feel oh, like no. two. I'm, I'm unconcerned. Yep. <laughs>